I realized at 12 years old, I subconsciously learned that when something traumatic happens, we put it under the rug and we don't talk about it. Right. And life goes on. And that's what happened. So like in my relationships with men and different things, I could have a man cheat on me. And the next day or that night, I'll be like, where are we going to dinner? Like, let's go to dinner. Let's go to a movie. I so could not process that. I couldn't even go there. I, I just physically could not go there. Hello, and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I just thought it was, I just realized I always say hello, hello everybody. Why do I say it twice? In case you don't hear me the first time, that must be it. Well, today we are going to talk about a handful of things. We're going to talk about when you ignore things and you stuff them down, pretend they don't exist. Do they go away or are you just saving them for later? And I suspect we'll also dive into the things that you have been told to make you happy but they're not making, they're not the things that will necessarily make you happy. And if that's not true, what else is not true? I'm here today with author and life coach Valerie Maxim. And she's written a book about maximizing your life. And she has quite a story. She has been through it and has come out the other side. Be being her own superhero. So Valerie, why don't you take a moment and tell us what it is that you do and we'll go from there. Okay. I'm a life coach, like she said, and I also wrote a book and what I do, my, my passion is to speak to women primarily and just help them on their journey as I have been through so much. It's like going back and helping people through the things that you've already come through you know, at 45 years old, I found myself divorced and literally at a point in my life that I, it was a very, very dark point. I, when I look back, it was darker than I thought it was when I was in it. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you look back and you're like, wow, I was really broken, didn't know who I was, just the sheer anxiety and, and just living in, just living, like I said, wanting to just get through the day. You know, I had lived, looking back, I lived pretty much until I was 45 years old just looking to get through the day. How do we get through the day? Is it time for bed yet? Just getting through the next day, getting through the next day, because, you know, for me, life has never been easy. It's always been a struggle. It's always been a fight. It's always been, 
having to make things happen, having to push things to happen. And then I'm making and pushing things to happen. And the long road, they're not even really the right things that I should have been happening. So just really taking that time out at 45 years old, when you've always been with somebody since you're 18 years old, to be on your own, to have the last eight years, to really reflect, go through and figure out why did I do what I did? And, and, and it's just interesting how when you just take that time out and it, it's not in the beginning, it's not fun. You don't want to be alone or I didn't, but I will say it's been the best eight years. Don't want to repeat it. <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> to move on and start dating and doing other things. But I have been through so many breakthroughs that I can't even, I can't even name all of them. There's so many major breakthroughs. And now it's just my passion to help other people realize that there is an authentic you that lives inside. And to help you to reconnect with that, like I say, unleashing your inner superhero, giving yourself permission to be the authentic you that you were created to be. Yeah. And I know when I say that to some people, they just look at me cross-eyed like, I know what you're saying, but I don't know what you're saying. Like, I don't even know how to process what you're saying. And so there's going to be all different levels of where you're at in life of people that, you know, listen to this. Because when I was broken eight years ago, and you would have said that to me, find your authentic self and reconnect, I would have just looked at you like, yeah, sure, lady. I don't even, whatever. I don't even think that lives inside of me. So I don't even know where I would even begin to even figure out what that would even look like. Because I had lived an entire life of doing what I was told to do, following the directions, following who told me to do what, dress like this, do like this, say like that, show up like this. You do that for so long and it just becomes routine. And then when, when yeah. everything comes to an end, like I did after my second divorce and things get quiet and settle and you're with yourself at home, you're just like, okay, now what do I do? Nobody's telling me what to do and nobody's telling me, to, you know, it was just a very awakening moment. So I like to share a lot about that. We can, we can dive more into that, but that's kind yeah. of stick over view of a message. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you said always fighting, always doing, always going, like, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And it's like, you're so in it, you're fighting to get through another day that you can't even see that there's something beyond the fight. Exactly, exactly. So before we really dive into this conversation, why do you do what you do? I do what I do because I was that broken person having panic attacks every day. I, I even admitted myself in the hospital multiple times having panic attacks where I thought I was dying. Just the feeling of depression, the feeling of no hope, just the things that I have been through. I, I have been through a lot of things. I've been through a first husband that tried to kill me. I've been through kids on drugs. I've been through blended families. I've been through a lot of hard things in my life. And the thing is, I have zero unforgiveness for any of it. I've worked through all of it. I've come out the other side and I'm not a victim. And I've been able to rise up and deal with it and, and, and do the hard things. And I know when you can come out the other side and know it's not easy, but when you can, there is such a passion, such a joy, such a love, such a, what do you want to say? Peace. And, and I can't even explain it. So I want women and people to know that that does exist on the other side of the hard things and that it is possible with a little bit of guidance. I did have a life coach and I'm not saying everybody has to have a life coach, but it does help when you have somebody walking alongside of you, kind of gui guiding you, even if it's just a few sessions, it does help to get you on a path and going into the right direction. But yeah, that's, that's why I do what I do because I, I want to see other people and I have, I've worked with a lot of people that have had 
many aha moments and breakthroughs and just seeing them break through their things that have held them back for years is just to me, it, it's what gets me excited, like to say, oh, wow, they found their their self-love and, and now they're finding their self-confidence and now they have the courage to do the hard things and now they're living their passion and their dreams. And it's just, it all builds on each other. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too. I think so many of us who have had really big, not so easy lives end up becoming healers and coaches and guides because we've been through so much that we can hold space for in a big way for people that are on a journey. And and I know for me, myself, it's always peeling back the layers, keep going, keep going, because I believe that we can only take people so far as we have come. So it's important, I think, for us who do this work as coaches and healers to keep peeling back our own stuff so that we can be of greater service to everybody else. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. I got my life coaching certification, um, I want to say seven years ago. And people are like, well, why didn't you, why have you waited so long to do it? Because I didn't feel like I had a lot to offer people at that time in my life. I didn't feel like, like you said, I, you know, I didn't feel like I had gone through and figured my things out enough. I could have book work taught it, but now there's a difference. Like you're saying, when you've actually been through it, and you can, you know, talk the talk and you've walked the walk and you have that passion and people can feel the passion to know, oh, wow, like I feel her passion that I, I really feel like that's possible. Well, and it's such a big thing. Like people, people have been telling you the same messages over and over. People have been telling you things that are the big breakthrough things, but for whatever reason, you can't necessarily hear them until you're ready. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting that People say, well, why do you have other coaches on, you know, even other career coaches that why would you have them? Wouldn't they be competing with you? But the thing is, we all speak a different language. If you say the same thing I've been saying forever, but it lands for somebody and has them have that moment, that's the magic. It doesn't have to come from me. It gets to come from Wherever we are in this collaborative thing to help people create the lives that they really love. Well, let's go back in time, though. This idea of stuffing everything under the rug is something that I think a lot of people can relate to. That waking up and just being like, let me get through this day. I know days when I'm so exhausted and I'm so tired, or if I like went out with friends and have a little hangover or something, it's just like, when can I go to bed so that I can wake up and have it be a different day? Let me just get through today. So let's kind of go back in time. When did you really start stuffing down the stuff that you, of course, later eventually have to deal with. Like I say, you don't stuff your, you stuff your feelings because you're running away from them for whatever reason, or that's too much to process. But the reality, you're only saving it for later. So where did that begin for you? You know, it began for me at 12 years old when I was at home babysitting one evening and my dad um, at 10 years old, I found out he had leukemia and he had the really bad kind. So they even told him he probably wouldn't even make it through the weekend when he first went to the hospital. He ended up living two years. 
My mom was really tired. I had babysat that night and she woke me up about one in the morning, I would say, because I got home from babysitting at midnight. I just fell asleep. And she asked me if I would get up and take care of my dad because she was so tired. She's like, I just need some sleep. And so I was like, okay, sure. So I got up and I took care of him. And he was so weak, like trying to get him from her bedroom to my bedroom took us like 30 minutes. And we were ultimately trying to go to the living room to watch TV. So it was like this whole process. That's how weak he was. And long story short, by the time I got him to the bathroom to go to the living room, he fell. And when he fell, like, like he, he, it was a horrible thing to see at 12 years old, you know what I mean? And I just like kind of screamed and, and I ran to my room and my mom heard it. So she ran into there, you know, she ran in not knowing I had seen that. Mm. And I say all that to say that the next day we never spoke about it. It was like my dad died and life goes on and I didn't process it. I was angry. I was, I was mad that he left. He was our provider and he did very well financially in his business. And we had all these goals and dreams. We were getting ready to move to this brand new home and all these things were happening. And then I'm almost 13 years old the next month. And then all of a sudden, you know, my mom had never worked. Everything's taken from me. I was just angry. I, I, I didn't cry at his funeral. I didn't acknowledge it. I almost acted like he just left, you know, he just left. And I, I know that now that sounds silly, but as a 12-year-old, I'm just trying to say that's where my mind was at 12 years old. And so when I say stuffing things under the rug, I did not address my dad's death till I was 50 years old. I did not go to his cemetery till I was 50 years old. That's 38 years. And so realizing that, you know, you want to say time heals all things. I'm just going to forget about this. I'm not going to address these painful things, these trauma things, things that we don't want to address. And when I addressed his, um, you know, I went to a cemetery after I had a, um, a bodybuilding competition. Each competition, I had major breakthroughs. And this particular one, something just kept telling me to go to my dad's cemetery, go to his cemetery. I was at a photo shoot right down the street from it, pouring rain in Texas, thundering. Why would I want to stop by on a, on a day like this when I haven't even gone in 38 years? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. really? So long story short, I, I, I did. I pulled in. And the second my tire hit that property, I can remember the second it hit, I had tears. And I'm talking tears like I've never in my life cried ever. I don't even think I will ever cry like that again. I don't even know where it came from, except all that emotion was still inside of me just because I had stuffed it down. And when you say, you know, why did I put things under the rug on my own journey of life coaching and myself, and I always want to figure things out. I realized at 12 years old, I subconsciously learned that when something traumatic happens, we put it under the rug and we don't talk about it Right. and life goes on. And that's what happened. So like in my relationships with men and different things, I could have a man cheat on me in the next day or that night. I'll be like, where are we going to dinner? Like, let's go to dinner. Let's go to a movie. I so could not process that. I couldn't even go there. I, I just physically could not go there. And, and I know it's because I had all of this unresolved underlying issues of me not healing, me not addressing things. And so literally that day at 50 years old, when I went on and, and I went there and I went to his cemetery and I talked to him and I like cried and I told him about my kids and he doesn't know anything about cell phones and selfies and all. I had silly conversations. Like I took a selfie with him in the great, his, his tombstone. So I'm like, Hey, this is selfies, dad. This is this. And talking about my kids. And I just completely 100% healed. And from that moment forward, I no longer put things under the rug because I realized when you don't heal and you just think, oh, it's just going to go on. What happens is we create patterns. 
Mm -hmm. A lot of people will look at their life and say, well, my life just continues to do be like this or, or create like this, or I attract this same person or every relationship I have and ends like this. I'm never dating again because every man is like this, or we create these patterns in a big aha moment for me. When I divorced, somebody told me, they're like, you know, Valerie, you are the common denominator. Like you really want to hear that, right? You're like, okay, that's not really nice, but I, I do get what you're saying. And I really had to think on that. I could be really angry and say, look at what all these men did to me. And I could just tell you stories one after the other. And you would be like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's right. He's right. But what does that do that keeps me as a victim? So the bigger question that I asked myself was, why? Why did I allow that? Why did I stay so long in those relationships? Why was I okay when somebody would do things to me that were so wrong and I was more concerned about their happiness than what had happened to me that was just traumatizing. And I would just stuff my emotions and stuff them and stuff them and stuff them. And then you wake up one day and you don't even know who you are. You know, I, I didn't even know when I divorced, when I said, and I got to that point, like I so had lost myself over this whole process of putting things under the rug, putting things under the rug, putting things under the rug. I feel like you could only do that for so long. Right. And to, if you want a better life, and I've always wanted that better life, like I've always known, and I'll, my kids will hear me say it to this day, the rest of my life will be the best of my life. The rest of the years of my life will be my, the absolute best years I've ever had. I'm always professing that because just because the first 45 years of my life didn't turn out exactly like I, you know, on paper would have liked, the valuable lessons that I have learned through everything I have been through that's why I help people. That's why I want to talk to people. I literally can relate to almost everybody like because I've been through so much and, and I'm not there to judge. I'm there to create that space of, of safety, that space of where somebody can share and feel heard and work through their stuff. Because until you can get to a space that you can feel safe and you can feel heard, for myself, I could never find that healing because I was always like, okay, well, they're going to say something if I, I just never trust it. So finding yeah. a place that I could trust was another um, big moment for me. And one of the things that really stands out to me in that is that when that happened to you at 12, you said that you stuffed your feelings, you pretended that it didn't exist and, or it didn't happen. And mom did the same thing. And so mom never talked to you about it. Mom never showed you how to process feelings. And how was it in your life after? You know, you said dad had brought in a, a good income and then mom had never worked. Also, I think I'm suspecting there was stability issues and fear oh. there. Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, and so I know after your first marriage, which was not the greatest, you slid right into another relationship in marriage, like almost instantly. Would right. that fear and security of being able to provide for yourself, did that play a role in that? It's interesting because I knew you were going to say that just now because I've never thought about it like that. And I'm like, you know what? I think I know what she's going to say. And that was like an aha moment. Looking back on it, I would never have said I married for someone to take care of me. But if you look at the underlying subconscious of my thinking, like, oh my goodness, I have three kids. I need to find someone. I need to get married. If I'm being honest, I'd probably have to say yes. That probably did play a big role in it because I I was scared and I didn't know what to do or how to to take care of myself or anything like that. So yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing. You know, it's like when I talk about careers with people, one of the big reasons they stay in jobs that they hate is because of that fear that the next thing is going to be worse or that nobody's going to want them or they're going to get paid less or if they take a chance and try something they love, what if it goes wrong? And then, then now they don't even have something to dream about because they went after that thing they love and it didn't work. So now they're stuck in misery with nothing to dream about. I know I did that in my art career. It was like I had this thing that I was working towards but never really working towards because I was so scared of giving up any kind of stability of my regular job. And so I think it's that security of being able to have a roof over your head, have food in your belly, all of that thing is such a big underlying factor in so many of our decisions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I know that here you are at this place where you have your second divorce, don't know exactly who you are, and you started leaning into physical fitness. Yes. Tell us how you, what made you lean that direction and what was it, what was it that inspired you about leaning into physical fitness and taking care of your body? Well, I was in gymnastics when I was younger. I didn't start till I was 12. So I wasn't like any Mary Lou Retton at the time, but gymnastics was my therapy when I was a kid. That Um, was like my outlet. I loved how I felt when I worked out. Whenever I was younger, I had always seen the fitness girls because back in the day, we had posters on our wall of things. We'd cut out magazine pictures and put them on our wall. And I had fitness people, fitness girls. And I just thought that was just a really cool thing. Like, oh my gosh, one day I want to do that. Like, I just think that is just cool. You know, you go on stage, you back then, I think they had more of a dance with it. I'm not sure. It was a little bit different, but same kind of a deal. And so I just laid that dream down. That was something I'm like, okay, well, when I married, I, wasn't even really allowed to go to the gym. My gym membership was taken away. And that's a whole nother story of talking about marrying someone toxic. But so when I did divorce for the second time, my life coach asked me, you know, what are your hobbies? I didn't even know what a hobby was. I I know that sounds silly, but I'm like, can you explain to me what you mean by hobby? Like, I like to go to the mall and shop. Like, I don't know what you're, what are you talking about a hobby? I don't, you know, and then she started telling me, you know, something that you do for yourself, like an outlet. Some people paint, some people like maybe play tennis or, you know, there's just people run. There's just things that people do for, for their hobbies. And I started thinking about what would I want to do for a hobby? I began running. I ran the Houston Marathon 26 miles one time. The whole thing, I never once stopped the whole 26 miles. Wow. And I finished and I was like, okay, that's going to be marked off my bucket list because I never got a runner's high. I'm like, I don't understand how you people get runner's high because I've never <laughs> got one. I'm waiting. It's been 26 miles. Hasn't happened. I don't think this is for me. But anyways, I tried. I did it, right? I, I, I saw it through and I did it. And then I tried tennis, like you said, getting out there, trying things. And then I had a girlfriend have coffee with me and she was, at that time, we would have been 45. She's like, I signed up for this bikini competition. I'm like, like, hey, tell me more. Like, what are you talking about a bikini competition? I'm just thinking you're at the local bar or something and you're just, you're signed up for this bikini thing. I don't know. And she began to tell me how you're going to compete and you get a coach and she began to share. And I'm like, that's what I wanted to do when I was 18 and 19 years old. And I wasn't allowed to. And something inside of me just said, do it. It was one of those moments of, I don't really know what I'm doing. I went home. 
I went home and I. I'm so sorry. So I went home. It was your dream calling, reminding you all over you got all over again. I went home and I signed up, and she dropped out. And so it was one of those moments of like, okay, do I stay in because she dropped out, or do I keep yeah. doing it? I really didn't have the money to do it. I had a coach that I found online that kind of wrote a meal plan for me. And so everybody that I talked to that was going to the show had coaches, had teams, had things together. They had their their friendships. And it was just me driving from Houston to Dallas by myself for this first competition. And I went. What's going through your mind? You know that everybody else had big teams and all of that? Kind of, but not really. I wasn't really sure. I'm like trying to get out of my comfort zone. I'm trying to do something like I'm a big girl, like, oh, okay, I'm doing all these things by myself. And and I get there and I get on stage and literally, because I didn't have a posing coach really. I mean, I did a little bit of posing here and there with some people, but not like you should when you're going to go compete, right? Because it's posing is a huge thing. And I had very little practice. So we came on the opposite side of the stage. Well, I had no coach there. And my co- my online coach was supposed to contact me that morning to talk us through things. And she never took my call. I never talked to her that day. We never connected. I never knew what to eat, what not to eat how the process was going to go. And so I get on stage coming from the wrong side. And I mean, there's probably 500 people in this room because there was more events going on at this particular show. They had like strong man. They had a bunch of things going on. So there's a lot of people in there. And I get on stage and I, in my head, I'm like, what are you doing? I I, I turned the wrong way. I was shaking like a leaf. I, I didn't even go to the right spot to pose. I I literally, I wanted to just run off that stage and cry because it was that bad. People were laughing, but not laughing. Kind of like not being rude, but you could tell like, oh, like, you know, it's it's so bad that you're just like, you don't even know. You could see their expression on their face. Even the judges like, right? Like, okay, what, what is she doing? Like, <laughs> that's not what you're supposed to be doing when you're out here. And so in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to just like race to the hotel room and not come back. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm never doing this again. I don't know what I was thinking. This was a huge mistake. Well, when you get off, I did. I was plan- literally planning to go to my room. The lady grabbed my arm and said, you have to, because I had two more categories to go. She goes, you're up. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. So oh, I had to right go- after you got off? I got off, I went off and then I had to come back around to get back in line to go again. It's like, oh my goodness. Okay. We can do this, Valerie. So I had to do it again. You know, okay, how- wait, let's, let's, what is going through your mind here? Like you're ready to run back to your hotel room. Yes. But somebody grabs you. Yes. Like you're going to keep going. And you can imagine I'm already going into this with zero confidence. Like I'm right. in the negative confidence as it is because of what I've just come out of in my life. So I'm thinking this is going to be a good thing. And I'm like, okay, you just like took any amount of confidence, which was negative, And you just took it like downhill what you just did in front of all those people. But I went around the second time and I have to say the second time was a little bit better. I mean, it wasn't much better, but at least I knew where to walk. I knew, you know, kind of where... I wasn't shaken quite as bad. Still wasn't great. I was like, okay, I have one more to go. And then I can go to my room and I can go home if I want to. Like, I don't have to come back for the awards. I, I already know how I did because it's very obvious. Okay. These other girls are out there beautiful and but they have their coaches there. And, and rightfully so, they did a fabulous. Really quick, at this point, you've done your second round and somebody doesn't pull you and put you right back in line, but you decide that yes. you're going to do the third round. I decided. I'm like, I, I made it through the second round. I'm just going to, I'm going to complete what I started. I started that I was going to come do the show. I'm going to do it. And, and it is what it is. And I'm not doing this again. Like, this is not my sport. I was looking for a hobby. This is not it. But we'll go back around, 
finish it. And so I went back around. We, 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 before I'm like, let me interrupt a whole minute, millions of times. Let's drag this out for everybody. <laughs> okay. So before, because I know what happened. So I'm just want to get curious what's going through. You're like, okay, I'm going to finish it. So what's the difference in your mindset now? What's what you're saying to yourself? You're like, okay, I'm just going to finish it. And then I can leave versus, oh shit, we have to go again and get back on there again. Was there a shift in the what you were thinking before you go on to the third round? I, I think there was. I'm like, okay, Valerie, focus. Like you, you can do better than you did. Like, okay, maybe you're not perfect like these girls and they're posing, but you practice enough to know, like calm your body down, stop shaking. You only have to go one more time and you're done. And you don't ever have to do this again if you don't want to. Like this is but you're going to go out there and you're going to do this. So I got on the stage the third time and I didn't do it. I didn't shake at all. I got on the stage. I went and I did my routine and, and I went off stage. And then you have to come back at night for the night show to get your awards. So went back to my room and was just like, oh my gosh, just took a nap and, and slept till the night show. Just thinking, okay, well, I, I'm going to go down there because I'm not driving home till the next morning. So at least I'm going to go support the other girls and just be down there like you should. I mean, even if you do terrible and you get last place, I think you should still support the other people. So I went back down there. And for the first time I went around, I got the last place, which I knew because it was it was that. And the second time, I think I got last place too. I might've got second to last, but I think it was last. And so, somehow the third round was 45 and up, bikini women, 45 and up. And I got first place. Wow. And so literally getting that first place showed me that by not giving up, you can achieve things in life by not, life is hard. Things are hard. Like I went on that stage the first time and that was hard when you have no confidence whatsoever already. And you absolutely like turn the wrong way. I, I mean, I literally turned the wrong way on things and I, everything was wrong, but to still force yourself to be like, okay, I'm going to try it again. That perseverance, like, okay, that wasn't great. I'm, I'm going to, what did I do wrong last time? Trying to process it was a little bit better. And it's like, okay, calm yourself down. You can do this. And so that little thing right there, it like built confidence. It was, a, it was the biggest confidence builder that I could say that I had had in my life up to that point because it showed me, you know, confidence is like a muscle. You have to get out there and do the hard things. And, and maybe I could have said, oh, that was a huge failure. I went on, I got last place and, and I was horrible. And but was I horrible? I mean, I, I learned so much in it. So was it really failure? It was learning moments of you can do this. And yes, it's hard. And yes, you might not always go out there and people think you look good or you did it great, but you're on your own journey. I was on my journey. People didn't know where I was coming from. People didn't know that I really didn't have $2 to my name barely at that time. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have all the extra things that people had. And, and I just knew I wanted to try this. And so... If I didn't get that first place, I'll tell you right now, I would have never done another show. I mean, I already know that. I would have done another show. I was done. But this became my hobby. And it became every single show I have done. It was my therapy. And I thought, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I want to do bodybuilding. I want to get my pro card. I want to get sponsorships. This is what I want to do. And like you said, you get this dream of this is what I'm going to do. This is my dream. But that's not what was meant for me. What's meant for me is my life coaching and my public speaking and my, my you know, motivational speaking and helping empower other people. But this was just a stepping stone. This was just a part of the puzzle that I needed because 
the breakthroughs of every single show were unlike anything. I don't know if I would have got it doing something else because you are such extreme in your diet, in your, your getting up at four in the morning and doing hour cardio, working all day, an hour cardio at night, you're getting 1200 calories, you're doing this day after day and you're tired and you're showing up for yourself and you're pushing so hard that you're seeing like these huge breakthroughs and your body's changing and you're like, wow, I've never seen my body like this. This is actually, a, I have control over this. We don't have control over a lot of things, but I'm, I can, this is something that I can control. And it really just built my self-confidence and it put me in a place where other parts of my life, when it was like hard or scary to get out of the comfort zone, even to writing my book, like, no, you can do the hard things. Look at, you've already done it. You've already been able to do this. Now you can do that now speaking in front of women and doing women's events and, you know, in networking groups and all of that before I would never have spoken in front of two people. And yeah. now I don't even, it doesn't even like, I don't know, somebody said, okay, here, I can just, I can just go do it now. I don't, I don't know. I think it's because I continue to build that confidence muscle. I continue to put myself out of my comfort zone because that's where I see the biggest breakthroughs in life. Here's a big piece in that. There's a couple of things. It's like one, Thank goodness that that person grabbed your arm and made you get right back in line. <laughs> yeah, I, I really think I was going out because I'm like, okay, I, I can just go out that door, get my stuff, and nobody will even know I was here, and, um, and we're done because that was really embarrassing. And then the other thing is, right, we talk about dis people always are like, discipline, you've got to just push through, push through. But what people are not really telling you is that that space of stepping out of your comfort zone is you're burning through emotions that you've stuffed mm -hmm. somewhere along the lines because you're born and if you could instantly walk and actually do things like you would have no fear you would do anything like right children are fearless they have like no limits to their comfort zone unless you take something away from them. <laughs> but they are really upset. Right. But that willing to explore and keep pushing the boundaries is such a childlike thing. But over the years, we learn and we stuff the emotions that come with it. Oh, I will get in trouble if I do this. Oh, what will somebody think? Will they ostracize me? Will I be thrown out of the social group in high school, whatever it might be? And so every time you are stepping outside of your comfort zone, you're facing one of those fears where you sort of stuffed yourself in a box in the past. And but to have to to get through like you have to go through, you can't jump and over. And so people that are, when they're go, 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 or when you're just taking the easy route, like I'm just going to move from this relationship to this relationship because I want to be safe and secure, or I will only take it, find a job when this one collapses, you're staying in that zone and you're literally not burning through any of that old stuff. And you're becoming more and more a sh of a shell of who you were born to be. Yeah, that's and that sounds so good. And it's so hard to do. It's so yeah. hard. It's like, so I've been divorced for eight years and I've had one two year relationship in that eight years. And that wasn't really any better than my marriages. And that's when I had to realize, okay, I'm the common denominator. I really have to like, people always get on to me. Why aren't you dating? Why aren't you this? Why aren't you that? What? 
I needed to heal. And I'm still like, I'm, this is my year. I don't know when, but I know I will be in the right timing with the right person, but I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to push it because I have literally, it's taken me this long to heal and to be my best version of myself. When I say, so I really love helping people reconnect and identify their authentic self because, you know, I will tell you one of the things that I learned in this process was when my dad passed away at 12 years old, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, my mom did not know till I was 50 years old that I saw all that happen. Okay. Yeah. Like that's how much we didn't talk about it. So I, I began having panic attacks in sixth grade and I didn't tell anybody because I didn't know what was happening to me. I literally thought I was dying. Like I, it was so horrific that I'm like, how can I have friends? How can I hang out with people? It would just happen in the most random moments. And I thought I was, something was wrong with me. And so I became labeled as shy and I became labeled as quiet. And this went all the way went through to high school. And so then I, I never got asked to a dance in high school. I never had any boyfriends. I, I, I wasn't my authentic self. I had walls above walls. I had everybody was to stay at a distance of me. I wasn't attracting any of the right people, opportunities or things into my life because literally I had everything pushed out. And so when you're not your authentic self, you are you're not, there's no way for you to attract the right people. So there's no, there's no, no wonder why I attracted and I dated and I married the people that I did because I wasn't showing up my true self. So I was attracting like who I was on that level. So when you get to a place that you're your true authentic self, I have found that doors of opportunity open, friendships happen. I mean, just the peace and the joy and the happiness of, I might be alone, but I'm not lonely. I, I, was, I think I was telling you this the other day when we were talking. I was like, I was driving in my car one day, not that long ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the feeling I have been looking for my whole life. Like I'm at such peace and, and I have so much love and I have boundaries and I care about myself and in and, and my future and my, my verbiage, the way I speak is different. The way I, I stand is different. The way I, all these things are different. And I realized it was an aha moment for me that that feeling was the feeling I was looking for my whole life for a man to give me. Mm -hmm. Whole life. And I never had it. I never have found it. But that feeling was something that I thought would only come from a man because that just, I don't even know where I got that from, but that's what I thought. I'm like, I can love big, but that reciprocation of what I needed was only going to come from a man. And working on my self-love for eight years when I found it, it's like, everybody needs to know that this is possible. And <laughs> that self-love is the best love. I used to think that was the cheesiest thing. I'm like, oh my God, that's like, don't even talk about self-love to me. That's so selfish and so weird. And so like, I, I just, I think because I didn't want to hear it, I was so put off by those words for about four years. And it's okay. People would still talk to me about it. And I guess those seeds were being planted. But when it really came to really realize, and I was like, okay, I really started walking in self-love and having my confidence. I noticed that I put, um, I have boundaries. I noticed that I don't allow people to treat me the way that I used to. I'll walk away from friendships. I'll walk away from things. I, I have no problem walking away. And I'm, it's, it's, I'm looking out for what's best for me in my life and my future where I would have never even known to even in, to ever do that. And, and I look at it in a way too, that it's like, I'm not necessarily better than anybody else that I'm removing myself from, we're just on different paths of our journey. Like I've yeah. already been through so many things. I'm on a different path right now. So I don't look down on you. We're on different wavelengths where we're at and how we're healing and the things that we're processing and dealing with. 
And sometimes you just have to break away from certain things to heal and to grow. And right. And I just, we're all evolving. It's like, you know, when we say self-love and you're growing and letting people go, it doesn't ever mean that somebody is horrible or whatever. They just weren't, they just weren't meant for me at that time in my life. I was attracting all the wrong things because I wasn't showing up who Valerie truly is. Right. And, and it's interesting when we talk about like that idea of if you're going to have a man fill you up, give you that sense of peace or my work, a job. <laughs> so the thing is, is if you're looking for those things to fill you up and make you feel safe, make you feel whole, make you feel loved, make you feel secure, what it implies is that you by yourself are not full. Right. So if you by yourself are empty, then of course you're going to, if you feel empty, you're always going to be looking for whatever it is that will fill you up and make you feel okay. And the problem is, is when it's something outside of you that's making you feel okay, it's short-lived. It's like, you know, when you, you achieve a goal, you get that dopamine hit, which is great. But it doesn't last. The dopamine hit doesn't stay. So if you're looking for something else and you finally get it, right? You finally get the man. You finally get the job. You finally get the Mercedes. Right. <laughs> and then you get that dopamine hit and everything. is. You feel high. You feel good. And, and then a, a little while later, you know, six months later, somebody dinged the car you got into an argument with the lover and your boss yelled at you. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, this isn't the thing. Then you're still, you're faced with you. Again, going back to that place of you are the common denominator mm -hmm. and you're always going to be there. The other stuff around you is going to have the highs and lows. So how do you get to have that place of peace within you? I, I feel like the more that I have worked on myself, and again, I'm going to be on my my self-development journey for the rest of my life. It's not, I don't know all things and I'm always growing and learning and evolving and, and things. But what I have found when I really do have self-love, when things do hit and, and hard things do come and they do for all of us, life is hard. I mean, we could all sit down and, and absolutely, but again, that's where if you focus on all the hard, that's where you go. So I choose to focus on what I can. Yeah. But so ask me that question one more time because I just had a little brain moment here. So you're saying, ask what you were saying again. Oh, I was just talking about that idea of, right, right. if you're full, if you're using right. other people to fill right. you up. So I always have to go back to myself and, and remind myself, okay, you're responsible for you and your happiness. When you know your worth and you know your value and you know what you bring to the table and you know all these things and, and maybe you have someone that breaks up with you and, and it just crushes you. I feel like when you have that self-love and that confidence and knowing, yeah, you're going to be hurt and you're going, it's, it's going to be tough, right? And you need to give yourself the adequate amount of time to heal. But before, for me, if, if, if I broke up with somebody, it would be two years before I would talk to somebody again. Like I would still be so hurt because I had no, it was like, to me, they took everything they had. Like I was worth nothing. Like they rejected me. I was, I was, I was nothing and who else would ever want me? And I'm just like living in this victimhood and I'm just falling apart forever. And, and I'm never bouncing back to that authentic self so I can start attracting again what I need to attract. Right. Because and when I, when I was on this journey, I realized 
I was like, seriously, probably for two and a half years, like so rejected. And, and that's just what I kept saying. And I started really studying rejection, like really not being rejected. Everybody has a free will to be with whoever they want to be with. And if the person that I wanted to be with chose somebody else, which they did, that is their right, right? It, it's not necessarily because he chose her that I'm rejected, but that's how I took it for years. Like I just, I couldn't, I just fell apart. Like I, I couldn't date or talk to anybody else because my whole self value, my whole self worth, everything was tied around that feeling this rejection. And if he would have picked me, then, and that's when you just, you're just so like, I was just living so, so beneath who we're called to be, right? I was just so, I was just living on such a low level of like zero self-confidence, zero self-worth, zero knowing my value, knowing what I bring to the table. Because again, I didn't know who I was. I, I Again, I, when you find out who you are, your authentic self, and you just continue to try to become a better version of your authentic self, I found when, and trust me, we could sit down, I have day after day, my kids are like, mom, I don't even know how you go through all the stuff you go through. I mean, I have haters. I have all kinds of stuff. I've had stalkers. I have all kinds of stuff I deal with, but I don't talk about it. Like I'm I show up every day my authentic self. And I will tell you week after week, the things that I was going through the week prior that were so hard, just work their self out in, in a better way than I could have ever thought possible. And so now I know by seeing this work that I'm okay, I'm just going to continue to do and be and work at being the best version of myself, showing up every day, the most authentic version, version of myself and just doing and being what I know that I'm called to do and be. And I can't worry about, these other things or people or things that want to hurt my feelings or people that are trying to stop me or all those things. Cause if I do, then I'm not ever going to continue to grow into the things that I am called to do. Like I'll get to the end of my life with so many regrets, which a lot of people do. And that's sad because we get held back because of what other people say, their opinions of us and, and it gets in our head. And, and so again, I just keep going back to you just continue to invest in yourself become the best version of yourself. And when you do that, you're better to everybody around you. You're better to, you know, your friends, your spouse, your, if you're dating somebody, your kids, my kids on this journey. I mean, I had kids in jail on drugs, all kinds of stuff. We could talk about that on a, on a, on a podcast for a long time. But when I started my journey of healing, I didn't say a word to them. And every single one of my kids is healed. And they're all, I mean, there's always a journey, right? So I'm not going to say, oh, they arrived, okay? But they have healed, like, more than I ever thought possible. They're all doing very well in their jobs, their careers, their homes, their children. And it just makes me feel so good. And they're like, yeah, when we saw you heal and we just watched you, we healed. We wanted to heal you. So you do. When you when you can rise up and, and find that authentic self, find your self-love, show up. It's not selfish. You're showing up your best self it really truly does affect those that are closest to you. And you don't have to say anything. Like when you can have kids get off drugs and, and stop getting in trouble and going to jail and having all these issues and you haven't said anything other than you're just trying to be your best version of yourself and find self-love. I mean, it works. All these things work. It's just, it's not always easy. So that's why I say sometimes you do need a life coach. Sometimes you do need guidance. Sometimes you do need therapy. I mean, there's things, but you have to invest in yourself if you want this amazing life. Like I talk to women and we talk about it in circles all the time. We spend so much money. Women as a whole have no problem spending on their Botox and their fillers and their hair and their eyelashes and their clothes and their purses and their shoes. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But when you're only investing on the outside and you're not, you're not even willing to do any investment on the inside whatsoever, and you're not willing to do any, get any kind of coaching or any kind of, cause, oh, that's too expensive or, oh, I, to me, that's off balance. And trust me, I used to think that way. But when you can really see that it doesn't take a whole lot to get you on that path of changing that trajectory of your life and finding that happiness, it's, it's worth every penny. Well, and I can tell you like right now, for those of you that are watching us on video, right? I'm going to be 50 in a couple of weeks and you're over 50 because you yes. talked about 50. Oh, so yes. when you want to talk about the work, when doing the emotional work, I look younger now than I did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. and, yep. and so, yes, spend the money to look good so that you feel good and know that your money, your bang for your buck will go a lot farther. If you feel good from the inside, it'll reflect on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. So Valerie, tell everybody what it is you have to offer. How did they get your book? What's your book about? How to connect with you? Tell us all the things. <laughs> okay. So my first book, it's called Maximizing Life. And probably the easiest way, it's on so many platforms. I just put it on a bunch of other, but the main one's Amazon that everybody knows. So that's the easiest to find it on. I have it on the Kindle, Audible, the book version, and then life coaching. So I wrote a program and my heart is, again, this program is geared towards women. And I, it's a six-week program. And we get about an hour together a week through Zoom. And the program is called Who Am I? And we really get to everybody's, I, I coach every person individually on this right now. Eventually it'll be a group program, but right now it's a very individual. So our first conversation is getting very real with where you are today. Who are you? Like, and there's no right or wrong answers. It's, it's you, we can't go somewhere if we don't know what we're starting with, right? So it's like, we need to find out all the good that, and so our first conversation really goes into so many things because you don't realize what you don't know until you start putting yourself out there to seek things out. And I did not realize limiting beliefs and how they so held me back forever. I had so many limiting beliefs. Well, I can't ever make it on my own. I don't have a college degree. Like I can't look at my age. I can't do, I've never worked before. I'm 45 years old and getting a divorce and I've never worked. I can't do this. Like I had so many limiting beliefs that I had to work through. And so we really get down to the core of things. Who, who were you created to be? What's your passion? What's your dreams? What's your hobbies? But Getting there when you have a one hour a week to really sit down with somebody in a very safe environment and have some time with your thoughts and laying you on the table or laying all the pieces out, the puzzle and where you're at, where you're wanting to go, the things you're really good at, the things you kind of want to fix and change that you're not so in. And yeah, and that just to help you to get on your journey. Again, it's a journey. It's not an overnight fix, but within six weeks, you're going to see some definite aha moments if you put any work into it and changes. And that's my life coaching program. And that's on maximizinglife.com. I think, yeah, we have that on there too. Yes. So on that yeah. website. Yeah. And and for those of you that are listening, the spelling is M-A-M-A-S-N Mary <laughs> or maximize M-A-K-S-Y-M-I-Z-I-N-G-L-I-F-E. So it's a, a little twist on your last name and the word maximize, which is awesome. And I'm going to ask you one more question in a minute. But for those of you that are looking to 
become a magnet for a lucrative career that you love. And, you know, part of that is facing some of that stuff that we've been talking about. If you've got stuff that you know deep in your heart is holding you back, or if you just want to do, just step in and do the work to get that career that you love that will actually make you want to go to work, that you trust your security will be there. Let's have a conversation and you can go to elevatebookacall.com if you're Driving, do not open up a browser and type this in, but <laughs> otherwise go ahead and type in elevatebookacall.com. Let's have a conversation about becoming magnetic for the career that you truly deserve. And so, Valerie, if you were going to give your past self, you can pick any age. What age would you tell what advice would you give your past self? And tell us what age, because I know you've been through lots of places in your journey. What would be the one thing you would tell yourself and what age would you have said it? I think I would go back to when I was 12 years old. I would go back to just telling myself that some things just aren't your fault and it's okay. There, there are things that happen in our childhood, traumas that are not your fault. It's not my fault. And just know to give myself some grace and time to work through it and, and just to tell them to know that I still am valuable and I still am worthy of being loved and I still am worthy to have all the things that I want to have. Maybe in my head, my life didn't turn out exactly like I wanted at this picture perfect family and these things that I wanted to have happen. But for some reason, that just wasn't meant to be in my life for whatever reason. But there's still going to be a lot of good, you know, things come out of my life. Yeah, absolutely. And and for those of you listening, that's one of the common beliefs. We think that things are our fault or we think that we are wrong or we're a mistake because maybe we didn't do something correctly. And, and a lot of us have carried those beliefs with us into adulthood. And it's part of the reason we are attracting the things that we don't want. So you all need to know that it's not your fault. You are good. You are worthy. Every single one of you. All right, Valerie, thank you so much for sharing your powerful story, your beautiful spirit with us. I'm so happy that you are sharing yourself, your authentic self with the world and helping other women do the same. And thank you very much. And for those of you listening and watching, we will see you next time on Be The Wolf. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.